I am vengeance. I am the night. I am also a podcast. I am a podcast. 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 Oh! It's a show. It's a show. Audio only, though. What is it about? If you have time, I can tell you that it is a podcast about Batman and a Batman podcast. Uh, what did you want me to say in this part? It's a show! Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> I am a podcast. Oh! Welcome to Batman the Animated Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Michael, and you're listening to an interview variety show for your ears based on the legendary 1990s cartoon, Batman the Animated Series. Today's sponsor, Unnecessary Fire Trucks. Why have one fire truck that you definitely don't need in a story when you can have two? All right, I'm going to be honest. It feels like a very weird time to be making a podcast about a Batman cartoon. But you are my audience, and in addition to providing a little bit of levity in the middle of a pandemic, I feel like it's necessary to share my feelings on what's going on and encourage you all to do something about it. So, if you haven't listened to the update, which I encourage you to do so, from June 22nd to June 29th, 2020, so starting today and for the next eight days, there will be eight brand new episodes of this podcast. And for each of these episodes, I will be spotlighting a specific organization or charity my guests and I believe can use our help in fighting systemic racial injustice here in the United States. I will be personally matching donations up to $200 per organization for any donation that occurs this week. So with that said, you can donate to the fundraiser at www.bataspodcast.com donate where you will be given the option to choose an organization, or if you prefer, choose to have your money evenly distributed across all eight organizations. At the end of the fundraiser, of course, I'm going to be sharing public proof of donations on Twitter and Instagram over at BTAS Podcast and my personal account, Hey Justin. I know times are incredibly tough right now, so please know that anything you can donate is appreciated. $1, $5, $20. Of course, if you're more of a Bruce Wayne or even half a Bruce Wayne, you could go for the hundreds. Uh, and if you're not able to donate at all, that's totally cool too. Sharing the fundraiser around on social media with folks you think might resonate with this is also super helpful. Look, things are really tough out there, and I hope this podcast can make a small difference as the U.S. grapples with systemic racism in a more present and meaningful way than ever before. So without further ado, welcome to day one of the fundraiser. Today's charity, Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter was founded in 2013 in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer. It is a global organization in the U.S., U.K., and Canada whose mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene in violence inflicted on black communities by the state and vigilantes. By combating and countering acts of violence, creating space for black imagination and innovation, and centering black joy, they are winning immediate improvements in our lives. I mean, not only am I grateful for Black Lives Matter as a global organization, but I'm personally deeply grateful for the Los Angeles chapter for educating and welcoming people like myself to the cause without judgment, no matter how new to the movement they may be. They've been instrumental in educating and organizing and tirelessly fighting in the face of governmental institutions who are frankly not doing enough or anything at all. 
So with all that said, please check them out. I'm going to have a link to Black Lives Matter in the show notes. If you go to Twitter and Instagram and you check out BTAS podcast, I'll be posting about them and donate to them through the fundraiser if you are able to this week. And now, to kick things off with this fundraiser, I will be doing something I've never done on the podcast. A crossover. Today's episode, Static Shock, The Big Leagues. Dakota gets a real jolt when the Joker shows up and recruits a merry band of metahumans to wreak his own special brand of havoc. Of course, with Joker on the loose, Batman and Robin can't be far behind. Static must put his hero worship in check as he teams up with the Dark Knight to put a shock to the Joker's system. Written by Len Ulley, directed by Dave Kleistek, music by Richard Wolfie Wolf, with animation by Dong Wu Animation Company. Starring Phil Lamar as Virgil Hawkins slash Static Shock, Jason Marston as Richie Foley, Kevin Conroy as Batman, Mark Hamill as the Joker, Eli Marienthal as Robin, different Tim Drake Robin than we've heard before, Maria Canals, a.k.a. Hawkgirl on Justice League as Shelley Sandoval, Danny Cooksey as Hot Street, Kevin Michael Richardson as Kangor, Tia Texada as Talon, or is that Tejada? I'm not sure. Brian Tochi as Shiv, and Chick Venera as Ferret. Today's guest, Jeff Tremel. Jeff's a phenomenal writer, an all-around good dude, and somebody I've chatted Batman with for countless hours ever since we met a few years ago. He's currently the head writer and a voice actor on the excellent Cartoon Network show Craig of the Creek, check it out on HBO Max, and has also written for shows like Nickelodeon's Glitch Text, Disney's The Owl House and Amphibia, as well as Archibald's Next Big Thing, Little Big Awesome, Harvey Beaks, and more. Jeff's got a deep love and knowledge for these shows, and it was just pure fun to talk with him about Static, Batman, Justice League Unlimited, and everything in between. So, without further ado, let's get to that interview. All right, well, here we are with the first quarantined episode of Batman, the animated podcast. I'm sitting virtually across from mr jeff trammell he's the head writer on craig of the creek he is a friend we've talked countless hours i'd say collectively about batman and kind of dc animated shows in general how you doing i'm great uh this is really cool because we've talked about doing this for literally years now (laughs) and we're finally doing it from different locations (laughs) There were so many times, so many opportunities we could have done it in the same building as we worked at Cartoon Network together. There are three email threads, <laughs> at least, I believe, going over this. Well, it took a pandemic, but we're finally here. We're doing it. Uh, yeah. I think, you know, this is the way it had to work out for us to be able to sit down and talk Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's the only way I want to, uh, in, the, in the least comfortable way possible. <laughs> Well, we're, we're, this is kind of a special episode, and like the series of episodes that are going to be released are special because we're diving into other series that are part of the DC Animated Universe, and uh, we are going to talk about Static Shock, which is a show that premiered, I believe, when it was like Kids mm-hmm. WB uh, in 2000, uh, and we're going to talk about a crossover with Batman, but we'll probably talk Static in general. But before we even dive into that, I kind of want to know your background. What what were what was your experience watching kind of the DC animated shows, Batman the animated series? 
all of that. What did you grow up on? So I came along to Batman the Animated Series pretty late. Uh, my dad watched it a lot when I was a kid because it came out in like the mid-90s. I was born in 1990. Um, so I was like six, seven when it was out, which is like the perfect age to be watching it. But I had no interest in Batman because I was a dumb kid. Uh, <laughs> but eventually I like... I think when I was about 15 or so, I started to go look for the episodes. And I think I had Netflix and got them all through Netflix and watched them and like was super into it. And just that was when I really had my like big Batman kick. But before I got to Batman, the first DC superhero show that I really watched was uh, Static because I remember it was premiering and my mom told me about it because she had read an article. And she was like, it's created by this uh, black guy from Detroit. And I'm black. I was from Detroit. And I was like, oh, this is really cool that, like, someone like me made a show. And it's a superhero show about a black kid. So I was, like, super interested just from that. Because, you know, like, there wasn't a lot of representation, especially then, you know, as a superhero show starring a black superhero. Um, So I remember, like, sitting down and watching it and just immediately like loving it uh it's very dated now but back in 2000 (laughs) it was uh really a part of the times and it was the first like superhero that i really resonated with you know outside of like spider-man or anybody because you know virgil came from like a kind of not great area and uh it was just really it was really like special for me growing up so I've always been a fan of Static ever since I started watching that show, and uh, I bought all the DVDs before the DC Universe came out, back when they were all on Amazon. Um, I have to, like, stop myself from geeking out about it with Phil Lamar every time I see him at work. Uh, (laughs) I just really love that show, and it meant a lot to me. So cool, man. Uh, What a cool full circle to get to work with Phil. I mean, we talked about it off mic, but it's... he's. He's insane. He's so good. He's ridiculously talented. Like, just the fact that Phil's been doing voice acting since the 80s, you know? (laughs) Like, by the time he got to Static, he had been doing voice acting for, like, 15 years. And we get to work with him on Craig of the Creek, and he's just so talented and so funny. And I've been a fan of his since I was a kid, watching Mad TV at, like, six, seeing him as, like, the UPS guy. Uh... So, yeah, like, that's really been a cool thing, too, is getting to work with Phil and, like, learn from him because he's so he's so good. And then uh, on one episode of Craig, I asked him to do the uh, Green Lantern voice, and he did it. So that was the best thing in the world. I mean, I think it's interesting. I feel like we both came at Static from different ends of things. Like, I was introduced to Static mostly because I was like, oh, this is another addition to this universe I was already watching. So... I, I, it was like it wasn't clear how explicitly connected yeah. it was until the episode we're going to talk about. But it was a lot of the same creative team of, you know, it was like Alan Burnett and some of the other people from some of the other DC animated shows, but also Dwayne McDuffie and then other folks who were like mm-hmm. co-created Static together uh, as a comic book at Milestone at the time. So it's such an interesting, I didn't realize that Static is what, introduced Dwayne McDuffie to animation I thought he was already like a big name in animation it's which is crazy because he had been doing like comics for a decade at that point so I can't imagine like 
just kind of jumping into animation as like a creator, co-creator at that stage of like learning all these new terms and learning everything that goes into putting to a show together, you know? It's wild. And I feel like his storytelling is some of the strongest in all the DC animated stuff, especially like when he ended up working on Justice League later, like he, he kind of pioneered, at least from what I've read, that whole mm-hmm. Cadmus arc, uh, which I think is some of the strongest stuff in that series. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, like any show, there are a lot of voices, you know, contributing, but it seems like he kind of shepherded a lot of that in, at least when you listen to like commentaries. Yeah, I mean, um, it gets attributed to him a lot. And I think for good reason, like it's so, it's such a great arc. Like it holds up to, like I rewatched it a few months ago and I was like, man, like this is as good as anything that's out right now, you know? <laughs> like, cause a lot of times you will go back and you're like, well, not for Batman usually, but a lot of times you'll go back and be like, wow, uh, I remember this being good, but it's not as great as I thought. But that's not the case for the Cadmus arc, for a lot of static, for a lot of Batman. This stuff has such mm-hmm. longevity. You know, it's such good storytelling. And it wasn't just like, you know, trying to cash in to make a dime or something. Like, you can tell all the work that went into these stories and these episodes. And it still shows, like, 20, 30 years later. Yeah, I mean, he's he created some of the most riveting stuff. I, I This is like a personal story, but... I remember being at a Comic-Con as a kid, like, or whenever, it must have been, like, late high school or early college, and uh, being on an escalator and seeing Dwayne McDuffie in front of me uh, and being so starstruck, and I was like, no, like, you just, you don't talk to people. (laughs) Like, you don't go up to them. That's weird. Um, And then, you know, I was going to the panel that he was about to talk on, uh, and I feel like out of all people, like, anything said about him is that he's like the kindest, most welcoming person. And I, you know, I still regret not having spoken to him just because, uh, if people on the podcast don't know, he unfortunately passed away. Um, and I feel like he was, uh, such a, such a heart, like even, even not knowing him at all. I, I don't know if you ever, I used to go to his website and he had, he would answer questions and he had a forum and he would like, you know, kind of just help out, people uh in terms of like writing and and, and giving tips and that sort of stuff in a way that is so much more generous than he had to be i've i've heard a lot of stories i've read a lot of really great things about him i'm fortunate enough to work work with people that worked with him and met him and i've never heard any anything but he was just the nicest guy he was so willing to help people i literally read a thing on twitter maybe like two days ago from gail simone talking about how he went out of his way to help her and get her into like writing. And it's just like for a guy who was as good as he was and put, had to put up with all the, I can't imagine the stuff he had to put up with to get those stories told that he wanted to tell. Like he was still just uh-huh. the, the nicest, most sweetest guy, you know, like, I mean, I, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like there's the people like that are very rare and we're lucky that like he was able to leave such an impact on this business because his work is incredible. Like, and that's just the stuff we saw, like all the stuff that he didn't get to do. Like, I know he wanted to do like a sequel to killing joke that I got to read. Like they posted. Yeah. They posted like, uh, 
his pitch for it, and oh my god, it was so good. It's it, yeah, I he's he was just so talented. It's outrageous. Uh, I mean, I'm thankful that we got 52 episodes mm-hmm. of this show. And obviously, again, like, you know, lots of creative voices involved. Um, but it seems like he was obviously a huge part of it being a co-creator <laughs> of the <laughs> character. Um, and it was cool that it, it ended up becoming part of, like, the Milestone universe became officially kind of merged with DC stuff, it seems, because of static shock the cartoon which is so cool and i know that like he originally kicked around static as a character uh, you know while he was working at marvel because at least in some of the interviews he talks about he was a big spider-man fan and so it kind of feels like a Mm spider-man character but from a more personal perspective um and the fact that like it didn't go there and he got like it's like the best version of it is he gets to own his own character (laughs) and then the big company comes to him and, and all the other creators over at Milestone, but, like, to basically be like, hey, we want these characters, and something you did had that much of an impact. I feel like that never yeah, happens. I mean, there's a world where Static is just a Marvel character, and we don't even really think of Dwayne and everyone else when you see that character. Whereas now, like, they have a whole... The whole Milestone universe is just a part of DC now, which in itself is so cool, because... You know, we could we could just have Static. We have Static and Rocket and Icon and Hardware and all these like really cool characters that haven't even really had the screen time they deserve. So just knowing that all those characters are there and someone's going to come along and really get to do some cool stuff with them. Uh, hint, hint, DC. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it feels like there's more opportunity to make that sort of stuff. I guess with like all the streaming outlets and like the different mm-hmm. versions of it, like adult, kid, whatever. Like, I'm hoping that there are deep dives into characters that aren't just Batman as much as I love him. Yeah. <laughs> I think we we've got we got <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, let's see another good one, but let's see a bunch of other people yeah. we haven't seen. <laughs> um, well, cool. Do you want to dive into uh, the big let's leagues? Do it. You requested this episode, so I guess what what do you what drew you to this one in particular? Huh, I mean, I guess because this is a Batman podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I think I was excited to talk about Batman the Animated Series, but uh, you guys have talked about a lot of really really good episodes and things that I was like, oh, I want to talk about this. Oh, they've already done that episode. So I was like, well, what haven't they done that I would be really into talking about? And then I came up with the crazy idea of pitching uh, a non-Batman episode, a non-Batman the Animated Series episode to you, uh, which I thought you'd be like, yeah, well, you know. (laughs) But instead you were like, yes, please. So that was really cool. Um, And I think it's just nice to... I think Batman's such an interesting character and all those episodes are really fun, but I, I really like the idea of like taking Batman out of his element because the animated series, especially initially, was like aimed towards an older audience and then they kind of like, you know, decided to make it a bit more kid-friendly. It's really interesting to see how they handle Batman, who is primarily much darker, and the Joker, who is primarily much darker, 
in this static world where everything is very like bright and kitty, you know? So I was really interested in like talking about that and like seeing how Batman and Robin and everyone else adjust to the static world, but also like seeing, I guess discussing because this easily could have become an episode in which static just falls into the background and it's just a Batman (laughs) episode that static is in. Um, so the fact that it's able to like maintain how big Batman is still puts you in static shoes is like, man, this dude's the guy, but also like still make static, not feel like just a sidekick is a really interesting line to walk. And I feel like they did a really good job with it. So that's why I wanted to talk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember watching it for the first time and I was like, how are they going to, the, the world of static felt like it had its own yeah. tone. Like, I, I know that like a lot of the goal of the show was to tell a contemporary show, like to, to show contemporary settings, which is like why some of it feels mm-hmm. dated is because they rooted it in specifics, which is like almost the opposite of a Batman, the animated series or Superman or whatever, which is like, let's have this kind of iconic anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like kind of forties and kind of, you know, nostalgic, but also ro- robots. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like kind of anything goes, but for some reason there's, you know, black and white television and they sort of adapted and changed that once they got to like the new Batman adventure stuff. But I think static firmly rooted itself in like, Hey, this is like a bright daytime Mm -hmm. show (laughs) also. Uh, And this also, you know, is, is taking place in a contemporary setting. So it's like putting this like kind of weird timeless character in there. I was, I was equally happy that it was like, Oh, Batman doesn't change the show it's it it works within the within how the show already structures itself which was cool um although it did feel like uh based on some of the interviews i read that this episode they you know kind of catalyzed them to push it darker in the next two seasons which is interesting a lot more nighttime stuff and also that the theme song i always think of for static is the the second theme song not the first one so i completely the, forgot that this one oh, the, existed. gotta be be gotta be superhero that one or the rum yeah yeah little Romeo yeah one, yeah um because he was just a fan of the yeah. show too and he would later be in the show which is also a thing uh yeah, so Shaq and Batman <laughs> and Lil Romeo all exist in the same continuity, which is another thing I love. <laughs> Checks out. Shaq is Steel and Batman is Batman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Uh, and the other Steel, who we saw in the DC Animated Universe, has no yeah, idea what's going on. <laughs> he's, he's wondering why everyone is, like, asking him to sign a basketball all the time. <laughs> uh, well why don't we you want to go kind of like yeah. through it uh beat by beat or whatever pops up uh it's been a while since i took notes this was a real pleasure <laughs> to just kick back and watch some cartoons for you know an hour because i also watched we talked about this but i watched uh rewatch the pilot the two-parter um which holds yeah. up do they talk about for just I, this isn't this is related to the pilot so uh, i'm going off the rails already do they talk about uh what happened to virgil's mom in the pilot do they come out and say it they do it's a it's a very brief mention of i think i wrote that your mom died as a result of yeah. the fire and i think virgil's just like yeah, i know 
<laughs> and just keeps like w- on the one hand it's like so uh so yeah. glossed over but at the same time i feel like there's an effort like virgil's reaction to stuff is never like fear yeah. in the beginning it's always like isn't this fucking cool i can move cars in a junkyard and it's like immediately he's into it he wants a costume like they just embrace the fun and not the yeah. tragedy uh which is interesting because they also uh, I know that Virgil's parents were both alive yeah, in the comic. I was I was thinking about that. I was wondering why they, why that was a choice. I guess. I did some uh, research last night and brushed up on my Dwayne McDuffie interviews. Actually, at the world's finest, which is, was my my old old favorite uh, animation hub for DC animated stuff. I think it's still up there. But he talks about how that was one of the only disappointing things to him. And he's still very, like, gracious the way he talks about it. But he was, like, the point of having, you know, I wanted to showcase, like, a strong nuclear family uh, in a black show, you know, and and kind of combat this stereotype. And so he was pretty bummed, I think, that they decided to kill off Static's mom. Uh, And he was, like, they definitely got some good episodes out of it. Uh, I'll say that. But I think... You know, there's that, and I think uh, Richie is is gay yeah, in the comics. They don't touch on that in the show either. I don't think. And I guess he's like supposed to be like he was written at least Dwayne McDuffie was like yeah like I I always imagined that he was gay, but it's one of those things where like they it's never explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I'm not surprised yeah. when it came out, and also still yeah. in cartoons it's really hard to get any any sort of representation. <laughs> yep. Into I figured it was a it was not Dwayne's note to take Static's mom out of that show. So, yeah, no, um, I think they did. I mean, I guess they did give he did a pass on the whole Bible. And, you know, he was he was definitely heavily involved. But I think that was a network, almost like more superhero note of like, where's the tragedy? That's what happens yeah, with superheroes. Well, superheroes have at least uh, one dead parent. Yeah. But it's a bummer because I feel like, you know that's what set static apart yeah. too but uh yeah the big leagues so we start off at a farmer's market mm-hmm. as as one does <laughs> as, yeah uh with a bang baby stealing blintzes <laughs> i believe it's what's his name <laughs> this sentence Ferret? to anyone who doesn't know this show is the most confusing thing in the world <laughs> Yeah, I guess we should probably, I mean, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you probably know what you, uh, <laughs> everything there is to know about Static. But if you, if for some reason, never dove into it. Uh, so, like, the, the world of the show, is it's kind of catalyzed by a lot of people essentially becoming metahumans, yeah. um, you know, as a result of being exposed to, like, toxic chemicals in, I think, like, a police yeah. shootout. Yeah, there's, like, a gang shootout with the police and... Some chemicals explode, which is thus then referred to as the Big Bang. And uh, this gas affects a lot of teenagers. I think it only affects teenagers. Um, and it causes them all to, which is a cool yeah, idea. to develop like different metahuman powers, such as electricity, like static, or fire powers, like hot streak, or elasticity, like uh, rubber band man, and so on. I did like in the aftershock episode, which is the second static episode. There, you know, there's somebody on the news is like, and these mutants are were created, and Static has a line that was like, "Mutant, that's degrading. I prefer <laughs> metahuman," <laughs> which I thought was great, and also felt like it was 
vaguely trying to address yeah. things <laughs> from a real world perspective in the best way a kids WB show could. Um, but also I was like, is that where MetaHuman first was introduced to like the animated universe? It hmm. may have been because it's on all the Justice League stuff. But uh, interesting. And I don't know where the word came from, but uh, yeah. So there are a lot, all of these, you know, kind of super powered teens and. Are they all referred to as bang babies, or is it just a specific? They're all group? referred to as if you. It's just the yeah. the lay term for metahuman. It's such a fun phrase. It's very fun. It's also very weird because they're also like you're basically like alluding to gangbangers, but also the fact that yes. a big bang happened. It's it's weird. You know the weirdest two things you can throw <laughs> together. Well, it feels like there's just like a glimmer of like, is this problematic yeah. that this is being said so much? But also like, I like the alliteration. Yeah. It's, it rolls off the tongue, I guess. But it, I guess, yeah, <laughs> whether or not that's worth it. Uh, but there, are th- there's this idea of like good bang babies versus bad gang yeah. babies. And, and, and I feel like a lot of the, I don't know, there are evil politicians, philanthropists, bad police officers. I feel like the show is timeless. <laughs> <laughs> yes un- unfortunately yeah. it's timeless <laughs> but so we have ferret this this i guess metahuman who has the this you know intense sense of smell which is of the power uh, to get that's pretty lame he i mean he's like wolverine without all the yeah. good stuff he's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah yeah but he steals from a dude, uh, a dude in a yarmulke. I noticed. I was like, okay, there's a lot. Like, there's a yeah. varied representation here. Sure, I know that there was like a Hanukkah episode, <laughs> which is yeah. you know, wild. Um, but uh, Static shows up, tries to stop him. Has one of my favorite lines in the episode, which is robbery, vandalism, and excessive cruelty to produce. <laughs> <laughs> when he's he's taking him down. And we sort of have a chase scene, and from there we get into uh, the Joker sort of alluding, you know, to showing up with all those balloons. Yeah, which I thought was, like, really a really good way to hint at him, you know? Like, the smiles are, like, one thing, but all he basically all these Joker smile balloons pop up. They're just smiles. Um, and some gas, they explode, some gas, like, knocks Static down, and then uh, Ferret gets abducted by a giant uh, <laughs> a giant like sandman style apollo hook basically um and there's like a remnant of a balloon that floats down for the smile over like the surgery and it's such a it's it tells you everything you need to know to get you hype if you didn't know this episode had the joker in it it's like, oh my god! Yes, if you missed all the yeah. ads <laughs> that that were airing on Kids WB every morning leading up to it, because this was the second season yeah. premiere of the show, uh, I remember being real excited for it. I, I f- I'll wait till we get to Batman to talk about the thing I want to talk about. Uh, but okay. yeah, it's this. I knew I've I've seen this episode and when that happened I was like oh yeah it's it's we're getting into it it's getting down to the nitty gritty. Well, and then we get to the Joker. We find out pretty much immediately the Joker's there to kind of scare up some new recruits uh, in Dakota, and we got a we have that like Justice League design of him, which is yeah. like I like it. I feel like I wasn't a huge fan of like that new Batman Adventures one as much, but this one feels like a nice in between. Yeah, I agree. It's. It's it's creepy enough to be like to 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 let you know the Joker's not to screw with, but also like 
he's got the like classic Bruce Tim like big upper body, so you're like, damn, Joker's kind of like strong. <laughs> like, he's yeah, built. What's going on? <laughs> um, that's not. I love his reasoning being that he was there because like every all his gang was locked up. And there's just like a yeah. picture of Harley on his desk, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah, that little Easter egg goes a long way. Um, and he, does, you know, he does his. He wants to be called mm-hmm. Uncle Jay, which um, is also Justice League, right? He does that to the Royal Flush Gang, no? Oh yeah, wait, with the Vegas yeah. two-parter. Yeah, he he really loves uh, using using impressionable teenagers. I mean, it's not as Bruce. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Maybe he's fighting fire I with fire. Why they've never fully, yeah. Ah, that's interesting. I feel like we never fully got that explored. Like you know, it might be in a line or mm-hmm. two. Uh, maybe like Return of the Joker covers it, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, he is an abuser for sure in every in every way, whether it's romantically yeah. or with just you know taking advantage of people. Uh, but. Uh, he uses Joker gas on Ferret, which must double suck for Ferret with that nose. <laughs> the interesting thing was he uses it on Ferret, and then he calls out that Ferret's like smells very well. So you know, yeah, like you said, you know he got hit like hard, but he just sprays it like in the midst of everyone, <laughs> and no one else is affected. <laughs> I was like, wait, shouldn't it spread? Why is no one else laughing? Um, was, uh, it's a localized. Yeah, it was puff. just like like just a, a little gust at Ferret. Um, I was disappointed they didn't do the thing I know why they didn't do it but you know usually you get hit with the joker gas and you get like the big smile or you're like turn pale from laughter and they didn't do that here and I was like I wonder why and I was like oh yeah this is for kids it's probably very frightening to just see a big smile plastered on a pale face of a teen yeah, I felt like kind of the marriage of the tone of static versus, you know, Batman. But I'm like, I love that, like, laughing fish or, like, phantasm yes. kind of, like, Joker gas effect, which was, like, I don't know. That was the closest thing to, like, horror that I had when I was younger. I was too scared to actually watch horror movies. I would just, like, <laughs> look at the VHS boxes when I was in the video <laughs> store and then get nightmares. But we do get that. We do get a hospital scene later with ferret kind of cackling in a way that feels reminiscent yeah. of that mask of the phantasm scene where they interrogate what is it that councilman yes. that crooked councilman um but first a fire truck is stolen two fire trucks are stolen <laughs> oh mm-hmm. excuse me <laughs> <laughs> keeping me honest um and they rob a bank and they fire water at static when he shows up i do like that static is constantly trying to catch up like he just can't do well when he like fighting the joker and then even when he's teaming up with batman and robin you know he he always feels like a second fiddle he's always like down on himself which i feel like it it was fun to like see the human angle played yeah i i like it a lot too because on one hand it's like well yeah static should be behind like he's dealing with a super villain everyone he's fought to this point is just a teen who got powers like him like the joker's been doing this for years so of course he's going to be a step ahead of static and then the same thing happens when batman shows up where it's like yeah that's batman and like even robin is a teen but he's been training at this for years <laughs> whereas like static is literally like 
So I'm going to English class, and then I'm going to go, I guess, patrol for a bit on my lunch break. You know, like, Static's just a kid. So, of course, he's behind all these guys, but the fact that he's able to, like, even, like, stay a step behind of them is a testament to, like, how good he is. It's just, like, a a Mm -hmm. new hero, you know? Well, I also feel like what they do, because a lot of it feels like, oh, we've seen, like, Spider-Man do this sort of stuff, right, where it's, like, juggling work life, superhero life, whatever and and uh, school life but I, at least in the first when i rewatched the static pilot one of the first things we see static do is just as static shock not as you know virgil help out like set up for mm-hmm. a school like a homecoming homecoming dance it's like oh this is a character who like puts his community first versus like Spider-Man, I think, is usually hiding in his community, and it's always, like, stressful when he has to juggle, like, doing something, and it's usually because a supervillain shows up. But he's like, yeah, I have these powers. I can go help people do things more easily. That doesn't need to be a villain, which I thought was interesting. Yes. I would be remiss to point out that he was also trying to, like, look cool in front of a girl that he likes. (laughs) No, no, no. He's, He's selfless, and there's nothing wrong with him, and I love him. Uh, yeah okay okay yeah okay so that checks out he and spider-man kind of do the same thing anyway we find ferret in the back of a it just draped in, a blanket in the fire truck Which is such a great because the, the just for the listener if you haven't watched this episode they established that two fire trucks get stolen then the fire trucks roll up it's joker and his gang of criminal teams so there's like four or five teams they're dressed as firemen they run into the bank there's a hilarious scene where this old security guard is like where's the fire and then and then hot street goes right here gramps or something and like shoots fire and then they rob this bank the pretense of the fire truck is not needed at all uh much much the less two fire trucks they then escape on one fire truck as a unit (laughs) <laughs> Meaning that they truly didn't need to. And then you realize that the only reason they left the other one behind is because Ferret is, <laughs> is, because Ferret is draped. It's like there's a sheet draped over him and he's just sitting there waiting for Batman or whoever to come get him. Which is in itself hilarious. I mean, can you also imagine the ride there? <laughs> From Ferret's perspective, <laughs> laughing hysterically in the back of a truck, not strapped in. <laughs> With a sheet over you. <laughs> the sheet over you. And also, like, thank God Static yeah. found him. <laughs> I mean, we just had a guy in the back of a fire truck that didn't need to be oh, there. Oh, man. That's so funny. Well, don't worry. There's more fire truck later in the episode. <laughs> yes, Modified yeah. fire truck. <laughs> Yeah, this is a this is a weird kind of uh, thematic choice. <laughs> the fire truck, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was the same fire truck later because it's modified in a way that feels like it should be impossible for the people involved. Um, yes, I mean we'll get there, but it it had like it felt like that. Um, uh, What's that Stephen King movie? That's exactly what I thought about. Maximum yes, Overdrive. Yes, exactly. Which right. has the yes. Green Goblin yes. face on the front of the truck. <laughs> that's so wild. I, I was like, am I the only one who's going to think No, this? Uh, Lee Smith is in it, so that's why I know that movie. Screaming mm-hmm. the whole time. 
sounding like Lisa Simpson <laughs> is being attacked by killer trucks for a movie. That movie is it's insane. Uh, I mean, Stephen King openly said he does not remember directing it and hasn't directed yeah. since because he, he was, was out of his mind cocaine. on yeah. cocaine and maybe everything else. <laughs> Uh, it's got some fun moments, but it's a, it's more of a group yeah, watch. Yeah, don't don't watch it by yourself unless you like to unless you like torture. Um, but uh, there, so yeah. So the the thing later, the fire truck later, is very reminiscent of that. Uh, so I didn't even realize that that's the same fire truck. But now that I know that it is, and the arc of the fire truck carries throughout the episode, it pleases me immensely. So thank you for that. Yeah, so if somebody pitched you this in, in you know, and you're a head writer, uh, and they pitch you this fire truck thing, this is what satisfies yes, you. This is <laughs> you're like, it I'm tracks. Like, well, why do they need the fire the third truck? Third act like, brings it back. We need to design a fire truck. Oh, we need to design it twice. Oh, but it's gonna be some kind of weird murder catapult. Okay, yeah, I can. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down for this very convoluted plan. That was the original name of the episode before the big leagues. It was called Weird Murder Catapult. <laughs> And WB Nixon. <laughs> uh, so we finally, we get to this act break, and basically it's in the hospital. We see ferrets laughing. Suddenly, lightning strikes after we hear, what did this to you? Cue the Batman sting, but it's more of like the movie Batman mm-hmm. sting. It is Elfman. Uh, it's kind of synthy, and there's a lightning silhouette. We see him, and it's not what, who. And it's him and Robin standing there, which is a pretty good yeah, moment. It's a, it's a hell of an intro. It's almost as if Bruce had been waiting outside that window for someone to say, <laughs> what did this to him? And then he tapped Robin awake and was like, okay, this is our time. Um, <laughs> Robin's dressed as an orderly, like just scanning to see if anybody's walking by the room. He's like, hurry in here. Um. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a great act break. Yeah, it was really. I'm. It, it, it's just like okay, now you know what you're in yeah, for. If you're, um, and we get into it. We want to see static. And yeah, if you're a kid, you're not going anywhere once you see that. You're gonna watch those commercials no. for Tonka trucks or whatever the hell they were doing. Or Maximum yeah, Overdrive, for, <laughs> which is being advertised years later yes, for some reason. The VHS of Maximum Overdrive. Uh. So we get this sort of intro to Batman and Robin. Uh, Ro- the Robin VO is different yeah. than. He sounded really, usual. really young. He was like raspier though yeah, somehow. It was, <laughs> he it was interesting. See. I looked him up, Eli Marienthal, which I guess he voiced Robin in that Mystery of the yes. Batwoman movie. He's also an Iron Giant. Oh, is he? I don't know if he is the, the boy of the Iron Giant. <laughs> <laughs> the boy of the Iron Giant. Um, but I do know he is in that movie. He, I thought he was good. It was just, I was like, oh, weird. Weird choice, but yeah, sure. It was it was jarring for me because I think I expected, I definitely expected one voice. I was like, oh, is this what Robin sounded like? And my brain has like warped it over the years, but I had no issues with it. He was, he was cool. And what do, we, what do we sort of learn next? I guess... Just that the Joker wants an opponent who can measure up. Like, that's why he yeah. left that. He's moment. already bored of Static, who he easily shot yeah. out of the sky with a cannon prior to this. Uh, this is interesting because it introduces the idea that Static is, like, not a full hero, which is a thing that we kind of, you know, he gets to stand in Batman's shadow 
and even Robin's shadow because Robin is right there the whole time. So it it immediately like changes the dynamic of the show where you're like, oh, Static's so cool. He just took down Ferret like immediately, and now you're like, oh well, is Static. I mean, if Joker can outwit him so easily, is Static even worthy of Joker's time? You know, like it really puts you in mm-hmm. Virgil's shoes just with like very quickly from Batman, like. Which we all know Batman's great at just cutting people down, especially teenagers, and making them doubt themselves. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's he's really an awful yeah. human being. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I mean that just brings up something about Static that again I like and I think is stronger than Batman is that the emotional thrust of most Static episodes are about Static, um, and I think that's why you know I love the villains in Batman is because they got the attention mm-hmm. most of the time. And, you know, there was a stray Batman episode every now and then, but he's he kind of has to stay the same for the show to continue. Like, if he actually sought help in the way that he probably should as a human being, we wouldn't have the fun yeah. show. Um, but I feel like Static, you know, the emotional thrust of this episode is him in the shadow of Batman and trying to impress somebody, uh, which I feel like works for the episode and is, like, not just, hey, it's a crossover. Yeah. It's a very interesting step to take for the first episode of season two of your show too to make your because you've spent a season establishing static as a hero so to immediately have him doubt himself is just like a very intriguing way to just say like hey just so you know like there's a lot more static to come because there's a lot more room for static to grow into what he's going to become um so yeah like it's it's also nice because you really this Joker's uh, team just consists of people that Static has already beaten up. So it also feels like, well, why can't Static just beat all of them up again? So the fact that Static starts to doubt himself and doubt that he's on Joker's level and, and can fight this like united group of villains is really cool too. Because I'm like a sucker for when all the villains team up to fight the hero. That oh, yeah, too. inject that into my veins. I'm down with that. Yeah, every version of it, good or bad. Like, I love the Sinister yep. Six. I loved... I mean, you brought up Trial, which is a Batman episode that is only yes. that. Uh, when we were talking about episodes to cover. And it's just it's just candy. I think the first... To go on a bit of a tangent. The first time I experienced it and loved it was the Captain Pollution arc of Captain Planet. Because mm. all the villains get, like rings that are just the opposite of like good just like sludge and toxic waste or whatever and they summon captain pollution and i remember being like oh man wait a minute they beat all these but now they're teaming up they're so powerful you know like my kid brain couldn't handle it and then like how how could they possibly how can they overcome (laughs) this and uh you know like eventually saying that like the legion of doom and everything else you know i just i love it so I was a yeah, big it's... fan of this, but like the thing, like, because they've already established like hot streak and they've, they've already, that was the thing too. They've done this in a way where Ebon has a group. So I love that they mentioned that like mm-hmm. Ebon's out of the picture temporarily. Now Joker's here. Now things are better than they've ever been. You know, like it was just really clever writing to be like, well, statics face this trio or this quartet before, but never like this. It's so fun. So they, they pretty much get start to do detective work in the sewer. 
uh, to search for the Joker, I guess. I forget. Oh, it's because the balloons were yes. kind of or originally came from the sewer. Um, and Static already is like kind of embarrassing because he's like talking to his dad. Yeah, he, he gets, gets, he gets beeped beep. on. <laughs> his dad's like, call, call dad on his beeper. And then Robin's like, here, use my cell phone. Um, Cause I'm rich and it's 2002. Yeah, I, I, I was adopted by a multi-billionaire. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's awful to live with him, and he belittles me all the time. But I do get this old ass razor, <laughs> and maybe razor was even too modern for then. I don't know. So Virgil has to call his dad. He's like begging him to let him stay out to quote hang out with the guys. Um, and then he has to go home, and he's like, "Sorry, I gotta go home." And then. Batman once again is like we gather like <laughs> which yeah. you know just shutting down teams um I think it's my favorite kind of Batman uh if we're gonna have him in a team up uh and I feel like they really lean into it later in all the Justice League stuff but I don't know if this was the first time it happened or, you know, but I feel like they, or it's probably not the first time, but I feel like they capitalize on that for the comedy of it in a way that doesn't sacrifice Batman as a character. It's like, so you're just going to yeah. be cold, just cold <laughs> and like sassy, but like <laughs> very like, yeah, he yeah is sassy. Just very like, I don't know how to describe it, but I love it because you're right. They do do it in justice league a lot where it's like, Batman, we need you to come in for a meeting. And he's like, no. <laughs> he just, like, hangs up. <laughs> like, I'm <yeah>. busy. <laughs> Click. I, yeah, so I loved it. I love him just kind of, like, shutting down static. So the Batplane arrives, which is, like, the older design of the Batplane. Yeah, I read about uh, this. Do you know why they use this? It's because the director, uh, I want to say David Kirtik. I, I cannot pronounce I know I'm mispronouncing his name. My apologies. But he preferred the older design, even though they were using the newer models. So they were, he was like, well, I want to use the old one. I guess they were like, all right. And then <laughs> they just got to use the old one. It's nice that it's a deliberate yeah. choice, at least. Uh, I feel like sometimes you watch this stuff and it's like, is it just because nobody cared as much as yeah. we did watching it? Um, the desi- It's interesting because like, the two designs are pretty similar, but it's a good it's a good plane. Yeah, you know. So. Theoretically, he's got enough space for both bat planes. It works in my continuity-addled brain. Which uh, hides <laughs> above the clouds always. Even when they're seemingly not clouds, there's, it's still above the clouds. Yeah. Uh, in Dakota, you can just uh, create cloud cover or a lightning storm when Batman yeah. wants it. <laughs> so the bat plane arrives. Batman and Robin leave. Batman gives him one of those handy-dandy... Bat yeah, it's a battering that it's also like, I guess you can press a button and it'll signal Bruce that you need to talk to him. Yeah, and it absolutely does not come. Yeah, he loses um, it. <laughs> off screen, yes. it doesn't. Even, he just has a hole in his pocket. <laughs> he just straight up it's loses truly. it, and it never came back. And I was like, did I miss something? It's the weirdest like Chekhov's battering thing ever. Yeah, it just felt weird because. It was so much cooler, and we're jumping ahead for him to the thing do the static. Yes. Why did we need this? It felt like a. It feels like a network note or something that was like, "Well, wouldn't Batman give him something to contact yeah. him?" Well, then we can just leave. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, like it. It literally serves no purpose. It it one hundred percent feels like a network note where they were like, "Well, 
later, how's Static going to call on Batman? And they're like, well, if you keep reading the script, and they're like, I don't think this is confusing me. I think we got to add something here. So they're just like, okay. And by the way, we don't read the scripts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's perhaps too mean uh, to uh, the imaginary versions of the executives that we've made up. Um, Nah. Yeah, they deserve (laughs) that. Those imaginary executives. So, Uh, so (laughs) yeah, I've turned 180 and then 180 again. They call that a 360. Damn. That's a writer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, I know v- barely any <laughs> math. <laughs> uh, so, and Static's like, nice working with you. <laughs> like, he's so excited, <laughs> you know. Um, and then what we don't see, <laughs> what they don't know is that they're being spied mm-hmm. on. By our friend um, Talon. So here's the thing. I, I, I started rewatching Static uh, a few months ago. I haven't gotten up to the episodes with Talon yet. I think she's in like an early one. But I completely forgot she could do like a sonic cry like Black Canary. I I just remember mm-hmm. her being able to fly. So when she did that I was very surprised. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. I mean, you already had enough going on, yeah. but sure. I guess. I guess, you know, you gotta keep it fresh for <laughs> each episode. So we get back there and already, you know, like the Uncle Jay's new gang is arguing and legitimately questioning whether or not they should trust him. I think that's fair. Which is nice to see. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. terrifying and, and everybody knows he's He's lost. already gassed a kid who was already afraid of him. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's pissed. I think he's talking to Talon at that point up in his office. He, That's when we see the Harley picture. You know, uh, uh-huh. We see Hot Streak arguing with Kango, who I read. Um, I did I did a little research, and I do mean a little. Um, <laughs> they, this is Kango's first appearance. But they treat it as if he's been seen before because he's in the episode with Shaq, which production-wise happens first. But it aired after this. I wonder if they were even told what the air dates were. I feel like at least from our end, like you and I, sometimes you don't, unless your show is like serialized, sometimes things are just shifted out of order. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. That one came yep. first. The season. Because you would plan for Two it. episode three is now the finale for season one. Okay, I guess. <laughs> it happens all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but we, you know... Uh, Talon kind of, or they, they realize that their advantage is they don't know, we know that they're mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can get, you know, the, the set a trap. So um, they sort of bait, they bait Virgil. Who immediately uh, falls for the bait. Yeah. Which tracks with his, you know, kind of emotional story arc of like, he's he just keeps <laughs> failing, which is not usual for him after a full season of Super <laughs> Um You, you know, uh, but then, I mean, it, would you like to do the honors of sharing what I think is the coolest part of this? Episode? Oh, the part where he loses the battering? No. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he follows Talon to a very obvious trap, uh, which is like a tunnel, which I commended him for not just following her into the tunnel. He was smart enough to go, well, yeah, this is a, probably a trap. I should call Batman. And then dumb enough to check his pocket and realize that he lost the thing he put in it. <laughs> Which becomes a running joke 
for the next time Batman's in the show. Um, but <clears throat> he loses the Batarang and says, oh no, I can't call Batman now. I have to figure out how to call him. So, and he says, oh, if only I had some kind of signal. And then he goes, aha. And then he fires a super dope bolt of like pure electric energy into the sky to create a bat signal, which is so sick. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, to your point, it makes you wonder why they ever even wrote in giving him a communicator instead of just letting him do this. Um, and then we see uh, Bruce and Tim in civilian wear, and Bruce is doing push-ups because it's Bruce, and one-arm yes, one push-ups with a towel around his neck. <laughs> and then Tim's like, hey, you gotta see this, and he looks out the window, and there's this dope bat signal, um, which is so cool. Like, it really shows how powerful Static is just as an individual to just put on this friggin' light show. Um, the weird thing is, is you think there'd be like an arrow that points to where he is. It's still just a big sign in the middle of the city. It doesn't tell Batman where you are, I guess, but he figured it out. Good point. I kind of just glossed <laughs> over that. I was won over by the, the imagery of it and not the logic. Yeah. Uh, He's in that. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably see it. It got me this time. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like Batman, cartoonishly can track anybody. As we'll later learn, he knows where he lives from the bat plane in this episode. Yeah. So they, you know, basically meet up with Static, uh, and Static is relegated to keep watch, which was one of my favorite lines of the episode. Do, do you have the quote? <laughs> I think if it's the one I have, Static's Big Batman Adventure, Waiting yeah. by the Door. Perfect yeah, tagline I agree. for this I th- episode up until that. It's, oh, it's great. That's another alt title, <laughs> Static's Big Batman Adventure. That's a great title. So almost immediately, Batman and Robin are ambushed, which, you know, Batman's a little dumber than usual. Yeah. Uh, I feel like they play him however he needs to be played from episode to episode. How did he get, how did they get ambushed in this? Excuse my confusion. Right after this episode, I watched the other Batman static crossover. So in my mind, they're like blending. I mean, they were just attacked by, you know, various metahumans. So it was just like they got taken down and then we see them dragged out, uh, tied to the truck. Yes, the aforementioned so the fire, fire truck. truck yes. Yeah, Chekhov's fire <laughs> truck, um, which uh, you know they're just tied up, dangling, and Virgil gets locked in the sewers or stuck because they you know like blast yes. him and he gets trapped in there in a big cliffhanger that's resolved S- almost yes, immediately. Seconds later, they first they fly at him in the fire truck out of the tunnel. With the lights off, so Virgil, like, there's no warning that there's a fire truck coming at him. Except they're nice enough to blow the horn, so it's not just manslaughter, I guess. And then <laughs> Virgil gets out of the way, but then they cave the uh, the tunnel down on him, yes. And then uh, we go to commercial break, because Virgil might be dead. And then we come back to commercial break, and Virgil's like, oh, man, I got out of all those rocks. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he just blasts him yeah. out. Uh, one of the things that struck me was like, there are so many characters to manage yeah. in this episode. Yes. Like the Joker and his gang, and all the characters, all the aforementioned characters. Apparently, we have a new character that was just thrown <laughs> in there as a first appearance. Static, Batman, Robin. Richie. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, I'm just impressed. I'm just yeah, impressed. I mean, it's... I wouldn't want to have to keep track of all those characters as a board artist, so kudos to whoever boarded this episode. Although I gotta say, I guess I think of it because at least in my experience writing stuff, I've only had to write a couple things with like that many characters, and it is kind of a nightmare to track. Mm. You write for a show where there's a ton of characters, a huge cast. What what do you? How what do you do? Is there anything that you guys do on Craig? that like to keep track of everybody at least (laughs) um oh man i mean no i don't (laughs) i don't know it's it's tough i mean i feel like at any time we'll have like at a minimum of three or four characters on screen all the time and then we've done like paintball battles and there's just always a lot of moving pieces um oh just very 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 in-depth notes of where people are and how to keep track of them and whatever emotions we need to track um but yeah i i don't know that's a good question i think if we were script driven it might be more difficult for me uh but because we're outline driven i can kind of just say who's there and then kind of go through stuff the borders have i think a bit a bit more of that problem of trying to like figure out how to make everything work uh so for sure i mean outline or script if you're a board artist you're the one that's doing heavy lifting when it comes to i guess spatial relationships that sometimes things aren't designed you know backgrounds and that sort of stuff so it's like all right this is you kind of have to be a bit of everything writer background designer prop designer character designer you know depending on the show and episode obviously but i am always borders are the the best borders yes if you enjoy cartoons thank borders <laughs> i mean thank everybody but lord i can't imagine storyboarding it's it's got to be one of the hardest jobs in the business well moving on we uh we get to richie is kind of statics oracle mm-hmm. um <laughs> that's the best way to put that and yeah well i saw that image i was like oh yeah that's that's who he is I, this was right before he ended up becoming a superhero himself mm-hmm. in the show i think like the episode the next episode he becomes you know he now has superpowers when you find out that somehow every single teen in the entire city of dakota was within the (laughs) radius of the big bang so all of them have powers even even people that conceivably makes no sense for them to have been there have powers but you know i have no i'm not complaining i just it's a, it's a very weird choice to make it a centralized event but then affect everyone. I mean, it works I, for the show. They had to justify it somehow because I, I guess they wanted the two of them hanging out more. Um, I have another favorite exchange here, which was, how'd you get away? And Static says, they trapped me in a tunnel. I wasn't even worth yes. capturing. <laughs> it was just very funny. It's- it's, which is very true, considering that he's the bait, and they still didn't even bother capturing him. 
No, they even put ferret in the back of yeah. the fire truck <laughs> <laughs> that they didn't even need. Like they went to more effort for, you know, this this one character whose power is to sniff things. <laughs> <laughs> and then the main character in the show, which I love, but it only helps his emotional yes. arc, I think. Um, and so then this is where we get to static discovering the bat plane hovering in the clouds, which, I, you know, I thought looked yeah. really cool. We kind of have a little autopilot wild ride, you know, because they have to fill 22 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, static gets in the uh, bat plane, bat wing, bat. Oh, bat yeah, wing. I guess it is bat wing, um, right? And then it just starts flying, and then he realizes it's voice activated. Uh, and then Richie's like, "Have it look for Batman and Robin." And he's like, "Hey, you know." He goes into his like Star Trek voice. He's like, "He does a Shatner yeah. impression." Can you imagine <laughs> any any kid that age actually? I mean, I guess like I knew who Shatner was, but I personally, I feel like that's like the nerdy older writer choosing yeah. that and also phil lamar being like yeah i, I grew I up can with do that, that. <laughs> so he does his shatner he tells the bat plane to find batman and robin which is a terrible design flaw for a plane that is apparently reachable and easy enough to open <laughs> for basically anyone to be like find batman and robin it's you know Bruce has got to work out some stuff. Yeah, there's a whole episode in the animated series where Batman has a mechanic friend who secretly is the one who upkeeps <laughs> the Batmobile because it's so difficult to break mm -hmm. into. <laughs> and this, it's like, well, we kind of need him to get in there quickly. Like, so. Open it. Okay. And his voice activated for anyone's voice? Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> we do get Richie responding with major coolness. <laughs> That's okay, though, because the Batwing probably thought he was Tim. Because that's the thing Tim would <laughs> Yeah, you're right. <laughs> that's a Tim <laughs> phrase for sure. Um, and finally, we get to the Joker filming the death of Batman just because he wants His to. His line, which I loved, was for him to watch when those green hairs turn gray, which is just a beautiful <laughs> line that Mark Hamill delivers so perfectly. It must have been so fun for them to write for the Joker. I guess it depends on if the writer had worked on other stuff, but I feel like each of those lines are just like candy. Yeah. <laughs> like that Joker in particular is, to me, the most fun. I could not agree more. Like, I don't know, because I believe the writer was Lynn Yuli, and I don't know if he'd written Joker or Batman before, but it really felt like he had. Cause like, he knew how to handle those characters where they felt really authentic. Actually, I, I have some little credits here. Uh, as far as DC animated stuff, he wrote, he was a static writer, and otherwise he just wrote the Metamorphosis two-parter for Justice League, the Metamorphosis huh. episode from, like, season one. Interesting. So he uh, otherwise was pretty much just a static wow. writer. He was great with Batman and Robin and Joker, I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, it must be, that's all I want is just, to get to sit in that like writing driver's seat for those characters, yeah. those versions of those characters. Ah, Jeff, we got to do it. <laughs> call us DC. WB. Yeah, call us. Any, any you don't have our numbers. <laughs> call us. And this is where we get our introduction to the maximum overdrive green goblin esque, uh, fire truck. That's been modified since we last saw it a few to times. To now have the Joker's face on it and not like painted on it. Like, it's 
like someone sculpted metal to make the Joker's face on the front of the, which in itself is weird because people are already looking for a stolen fire truck, but now they're looking for one with the Joker's face on it. <laughs> but that's not the only modification. It's also been made so the ladder in the back of it acts like a slingshot and shoots giant metal barbed just spikes at people. It felt like it was made for a toy that never yeah. existed. If you had told me it was a design for like a like a like a Ninja Turtles like one of those like Ninja Turtle vans, I'd believe it. It also the also <laughs> the the barbs that he's like flinging from it are big enough to like rip a car in half because they try it out on a, they hang up Batman and Robin and a car next to each other. And then they're like, let's try, let's try it out on this car. And then the car is like scrap. The dynamic trio. Yes. <laughs> car is always a little quiet. <laughs> Uh, I do like that Batman, uh, when Static arrives, is like, what took you so long? Like, he's hanging up. He, Static's saving his life, and Static's like, hey, I'm here, yeah. aren't I? <laughs> Fuck you, man. You, I, you, you got knocked out by people I've beaten up, and you're shit-talking me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we kind of have a, a big fight scene, which is like has a lot of like remix sort of like Batman. And I love scoring, that scene. I love that. Yeah. I was sitting on my couch, Millie rocking to this Batman thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, release the soundtrack it, now. Yeah, I need it. It's good. It's in the other episode with Batman too, and I was very happy when it made its return. That song. Well, it's synthy, like not orchestral. Yeah, like it feels like its own it's, vibe. It 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 literally feels like a static shock version of the Batman. Like in the best way, you know. It's like it's not like hip hoppy but it's like different enough that it's like you know it's like you, you can kind of dance to it a bit. it's if you haven't seen this episode go watch it solely for that song and then mm-hmm. uh go into garage band and pull that song and send it to me on twitter <laughs> i loved it <laughs> <laughs> it's so good well, I feel like the music and static is all like so cool and specific that like sets it apart from the other DC animated stuff. Yeah, it's very specific. Um, I'm gonna say that a, a lot of it is hit or miss. Uh, there's yeah. definitely like it definitely feels like there was a push to like try new things, and sometimes it works. And I I would be very curious to see if they were even like trying different like new artists because there's parts where it's like oh wow this song is so different and then there's other parts in the in the following batman episode where there's a transition that's just a man singing <laughs> where they cut out on a scene and it's just a man and he goes yeah and i was like this is a this is a transition and that's just a hard cut out of a scene and that never happens it's 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 <laughs> so it's so odd but i love it it's one of those things that really shows like the time of that, like how different, like how modern the show was, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's just like silence yeah. you know, under a lot of scenes. Yeah. It's definitely hit or miss. It works in this yes. moment. And I think we have uh, one of the coolest ways that I've seen the Joker defeated ever. 
Uh, I mean, it's a more kind of like comedic, ironic way. But I love it. It's, uh, you know, he, he does his classic kind of like, help me. Help me He's got the joy yeah. buzzer in his hand. And it's just such a perfect use of the Joker and static. Uh, like, it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. It feels so satisfying. It's nice because it didn't, yeah, like you're saying, it didn't feel forced. Because it's a, it's a thing we've seen Joker do. And it's like, oh, Joker's doing that classic Joker thing. But he finally ran into the guy. Like, it almost feels like a brick joke that they were building from the very first time Joker did it. And there's no way that's possible, but it, the payoff is so nice for like, oh, Joker's doing his classic buzzer gag. Oh, Static's going to do it back. <laughs> like, it's, su- it's such a good moment. Yeah, I feel like that and the bat signal are, are like two very like iconic moments that feel like it's, it's merging both worlds in ways that feel satisfying. Mm-hmm. And then Batman, after he does this, is like, not bad. <laughs> I mean, what are you, I mean, like, talk about a bad dad, you know, like, essentially is what he is. <laughs> he came to Static City, showed him up, then got trounced, then got saved by Static, and then was like, yeah, okay, I guess you're not terrible. Goodbye. And that's class, that's that's the most Batman you can get. That's Batman. I mean, he does that to Clark, so that's, that's kind of the biggest thing he can give you as a compliment is not bad. <laughs> Yeah, um, and Robin's very nice because you know teenagers get along. Mm-hmm. All teenagers uh, love each other. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's never. It's not the age where most teenagers are cruel, <laughs> needlessly cruel to each other. But I did like that. I do like their friendship. I think that's fun. Um, even though we barely see it explored yeah. in this. And episode, the next time Batman comes through, Robin's not even there. Oh yeah, it's the Poison Ivy yeah. one. Is that and Harley yeah. Quinn, which is great. Which. Paul Dini yes, wrote, I think, he guessed And right. it's, I believe it's the season three opener, if I'm not mistaken. So it's cool that they, like, opened season two with, like, here's Batman. Then for three, they brought him back again. But, yeah, Robin's not there. They mentioned that, like, he's with the Titans. And then everyone's like, ooh. And then he's like, and uh, Static's like, the who? And he's like, you'll meet him. And I'm like, ooh, and then that never happened. I mean, any final thoughts on the episode in particular? Hmm. I think it's hard to do a good crossover episode. It's very hard. I've seen a lot of crossovers, uh, and I wouldn't say I've seen a lot of good ones. I think they're tough because you have to satisfy the audience of both shows. And as someone who is a fan of both shows... I thought this was a really good crossover to bring in Joker and Batman and make them light enough to fit in Static's world, but not so like they didn't feel like themselves. They still had some darkness. They still had some edginess. Um, I think is it would be easy to do it wrong or it would be easy to try too hard and they don't feel authentic. And I thought that this episode really did a great job of maintaining all the Batman stuff that it needed to, while also keeping a really good focus and reminding you that, like, this is Static Show. They also do a really good job was, like, a thing that I can re- I can appreciate now as a writer that I know how much harder it is to just repeatedly, like, pass back and forth the POV between Static and Batman. 
because the scene where Static's like just stuck outside could easily have just been you watching Static <laughs> stuck outside for a while and being very boring. But they do it in a way where you're just following Batman and it feels authentic. And then when Batman is knocked out, you're right back with Static. It's it's really seamless and they do a really really good job on it. Yeah, the pacing is great. It moves and it, and it doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome. Um, which I feel like having written for 11 minute stuff more mm-hmm. now, I am <laughs> more critical of some 22 minute cartoons that I grew up on where I'm like, you can cut yeah, a lot. You're just wasting time to get to 22 minutes at this point. Yeah. And there are certainly shows where I'm like, oh, this, I love that they have the opportunity to breathe in ways that we don't get yeah. in our shows, or at least we have to like build into in different yeah, ways. I forgot but, uh, you guys are 11 minutes because you do so much stuff. In it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Thanks. It's, uh, it, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think we try to treat it as, you know, a season, the season was a movie, um, you know, kind of every step of the way, but, um, it still is. It's crazy to see some shows that are like 10 minutes of that, like bat plane going crazy, yeah. <laughs> not just like 30 seconds. <laughs> and it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. I feel like, and, and all the crossovers are really yeah. fun. I mean, uh, the next one was about hard as yes. nails. And I know that, I mean, we talked about this off mic, but that fallen hero episode happens to be one of my favorites. It's, I think the last mm-hmm. one, it's uh, green lantern, John Stewart, uh, justice league sort of crossover, but just him. And, so good yeah static would do a lot of crossovers and and they were all really good like the other justice league crossover was really good um yeah like they really found just like this the secret formula to like do a really good crossover and make it fun and like keep you in static's world as like a kid who was a hero but also like a big fanboy for all these superheroes but also like establish him you know like every crossover just does a better job at establishing static as a really good hero where it would be really easy to just be like oh my god i can't believe i'm teaming up with batman hey i got to team up with batman wasn't that cool it's just you know like it's like oh my god i'm Mm -hmm. teaming up with batman okay batman respects me now like that's that's what you need is like seeing static get that rub from like hanging out with these big superheroes as opposed to just like seeing static you know, fanboy out for 20 minutes and still be the same character at the end of the episode, you know? And we get toys in the hood, which is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I also love that version of toy man too. And I love a good punny title. <laughs> I am in the same boat. <laughs> I've pitched many a punny title in my day and I'm going to pitch a lot more. Um, and I guess we should talk about the fact that it culminated in static showing up in the DC animated universe shows in you know in justice league like he he is incorporated into you know some of the final episodes which uh, or the time travel Mm -hmm. episode at least once in future thing um and it's so cool it's so cool that you know i feel like it's one thing to have the characters come to static show it's another thing to be like yes we also respect this character and we're bringing it into our universe too and i feel like that's kind of indicative of what happened behind the scenes too with like milestone and yes. dc i couldn't agree more um, i mean and you know it's it's one thing to grow because if you're like me and you grew up watching static and static was your first like dc animated series that like for me that i really cared about so like that's how i was introduced to a lot of those characters you know like i knew batman and 
Superman and I knew like that Young Justice, not Young Justice, that uh, Justice League existed like peripherally, but I didn't watch it. So that's how I got to meet like, you know, John Stewart and see the Flash and all those guys. But then when I was like ready to watch Justice League and I was able to appreciate how good it is and then to see like the, the, the coolest moment is to like see static, like 40 year old gray dreadlocked static as a leader and a powerhouse is so cool for someone who watched like teenage static like become his own as a hero like that to me was some of the best payoff that i've ever gotten to just see like okay everyone defers to static now like statics running the show is so cool and like yeah like it's it's a it's it's the inverse of what, you know, this was. Like, Batman teaming up with Static. Like, later, Batman teams up with an older Static than him, which is really cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, these episodes are super special to me, and this show is super special to me, and getting to see Static in Justice League was, like, a really, really special moment for me. So, I say all that to say that I'm really glad we talked about this episode i'm really glad that uh you allowed me to break the rules of (laughs) having the animated series podcast to talk about static shock for an hour and a half uh yeah this has been great yeah thanks man and i guess before before we wrap things up i just wanted to i just wanted to hear if there was anything about this show that sort of influenced you and where you're at today that you can that you can sort of see in your work on craig of the creek or any other animated shows yeah, I mean, I've I've already talked about like Static was a big part of was a big part for me growing up, like a really seeing a lot of representation on TV um, of just a kid who looked like me and who acted like me and like hung out with his friends and you know got to do other things. Like he got to be a superhero, but he also got to just be a kid. And um, the show is important to me because they talk about so many things, like you know they really push the envelope the 2000s of like they got they did the episode about gun violence and they do uh just so many things there's the episode that went around twitter recently of just like you know um everything was static and richie's dad is like very like critical of black people he's basically a racist and there's an episode about that and that's the thing that like that show like tackles and talks about because it was important to talk about then and it was important to talk about now and that stuff is just you know for a kid it's important to learn stuff like that early because you're gonna encounter it so it meant a lot to me to go back and see stuff like that and the show like i said i'm i'm partially rambling because i just love the show but um Having that and seeing that was a big part of like me feeling represented in a way that I didn't. So when the opportunity came up to work on Craig and I knew that there was a chance that Craig of the Creek could be the static shock to some other kid that it was to me, I knew that like it was what I wanted to do. And I hear a lot from people that are like, oh, my kid's watching Craig and like they want to go play or they're happy that they want to go play in the creek and they're happy that there's a kid who looks like them or um, 
you know, the Sparkle Cadet, who's like a black girl who's also like a magical girl. And like so many people are like, when I used to watch Sailor Moon, like I always pictured like what it would be like if one of these characters looked like me. And now we are able to do that. So, uh, yeah, like it, this show meant so much to me. And if this show, if what this show means to me can be a fraction of what Craig means to someone else, like then I, I feel like proud. So, yeah, you said it. I, I think I, I think Craig does do that. I, I mean, if you guys if anybody listening hasn't seen Craig of the Creek, you can check it out. It's on Cartoon Network and HBO Max. Uh, it's so fucking good. It's so I mean, just the characters are really wonderful, lived in and true. It's so funny too. <laughs> like it's funny, but not at the expense of uh, character work, which I think is really cool. Um, and yeah, representation matters. So, 100%. I mean, we, we just need to keep making things so people can see themselves in it because we all grow up <laughs> and we do remember these shows and it does affect the way the world works uh, in some capacity, for sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm, thanks for bringing up Static because it's been on my list. I do have a Google Doc from 2015 and this was one of the episodes. So it was a nice, a nice revisit to Static Shock. Yeah. Thank you for letting me talk about it. I mean... And also to give me an excuse to rewatch Static again, which I'm, <laughs> which I'm always looking. I mean, for. me too. I watched three episodes. <laughs> yeah, same. I was like, oh, I gotta watch this for the podcast. Okay, now I gotta watch this other Batman. Okay, now I'm gonna watch the one with Green Lantern too. Ooh, do I have time to watch the one with Shaq? And then I was like, just you know. So, yeah, um, yeah. I'm really glad that I finally got to do the podcast and talk about Batman, but also talk about Static and. Um, it was just really nice to like get to go back and see why the show was like so cool to me and why it's still so cool to me. Um, so yeah, this was awesome. Uh, I'm always trying to like pre-book myself, but if you ever want to talk about hard as nails, I will come back in an instant. <laughs> yeah, man, I would love to. It's it's one of those things where this podcast has a uh, year-long hiatuses uh, for no good reason. <laughs> But uh, for sure, I mean, I would I would talk to you about any episode. So hard as nails and, and anything else, I guess. Where where can people find you? Is there anything you want to share or promote? Uh, um, watch Craig of the Creek on HBO Max. We're finally streaming, so please watch it. <laughs> um, it's really fun. Right now, the first season's up, so there's 40 11-minute episodes that you can check out. Um, there's something for everyone. There's episodes about you know, father and son playing video games. There's episodes where uh, there's Mario Kart inspired episodes. There's uh, one with Dale the Funky Homo Sapien. Uh, Deltron 3030 comes through. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, you can follow me uh, on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Jeff Trammell. On Twitter, I tweet about the show and also how Black Lives Matter. Both are very important to me. Uh, on Instagram, I post various drawings of myself that are done by way more talented people than me. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to see me looking very flattering, you can go there. That's why I'm there. <laughs> uh, I just recently realized I wasn't following you on Instagram. And thank God I am now for those flattering photos. <laughs> I only saw your words, your flattering words. <laughs> Uh, thanks for doing the show man it's been truly years in the making and uh it's all i've wanted to do <laughs> since we met each Same. other so it's super cool well worth the wait i i think so thank you <laughs>
And that was Mr. Jeff Trammell. Oh, and a quick IMDb search showed that Eli Marienthal was not only Stifler's younger brother in American Pie, something I'm sure you were all dying to know, but he was, in fact, the voice of Hogarth, the main kid in The Iron Giant, after all. So, there you go. Thank you so much for listening, and once again, please join me in raising money for Black Lives Matter this week during the fundraiser by visiting www.btaspodcast.com slash donate or checking out BTAS Podcast or Hey Justin on Twitter for links to that same page. And if you hear this down the line and you can't donate to the fundraiser, that shouldn't stop you from donating to Black Lives Matter. All of these organizations, I'm assuming, will continue to exist for as long as the podcast does. And uh, if you want to donate, you should do so directly. I'll have links in the show notes. Batman the Animated Podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by me, Justin Michael. Tom Smith created the show logo, and Casey Trela helped produce the theme song. Harry Chaskin is the booming voice of this podcast. Thank you again to my guest, Jeff Trammell, who is just the best. And lastly, a deep thank you to This American Life producer, Tori Malatia, who had this to say after I stole tomatoes from his house and pelted them at his window for never acknowledging this running bit from a podcast he's never heard of. Let's see. So far, I got you down for robbery, vandalism, and excessive cruelty to produce. Anything else you want to add? All right. New episode tomorrow. The fundraiser continues. Stay safe, stay healthy, and Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter.